You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are you doing on this Wednesday morning? Awesome. One one week till uh, signing day. That's like Christmas for me. And now the NCAA conveniently moves early signing day to Christmas. I get like two Christmases in one month. We've talked about this before with fans. You know, I, I did it when I did the the kind of pilot, you know, episode of the Bam on three show. We are so blessed, whether you're an Alabama fan or you're somebody that gets to cover Alabama, we are so blessed to be able to cover a program or talk about a program that in every way possible when it comes to football, they're relevant. Whether you're talking about on the high school level, you know, recruiting, Alabama's always in the mix for the number one class. They're always a top ten team as far as where they finish in the rankings, and normally they're competing for number one, uh, whether it be, you know, current players, always in the national championship picture. You know, there have been times where they've been eliminated late in the season, uh, you know, 2019 being an example, the Iron Bowl eliminated them, but, you know, they're always in the conversation. Nine times out of ten, when they're going to the college football playoff and we're in this lull, we're talking to fans about a national championship possibility. Uh, They're still in the mix for it. You talk about the NFL draft, Normally, one of, if not these top teams, as far as putting NFL talent into the league, the number of players, the number of first-round picks, draft evaluation, who's in the conversation. There's always Alabama content on the football front. And now you're throwing in the ability to be talking about a very relevant, very fun basketball program. Our jobs are so easy, man. Uh, we're just we're extremely blessed. Yeah, I don't know. Uh... They're, they're with our, our company, so we wish them a lot of luck, but I have no idea what the hell they talk about over there at Auburn on three. Oh, man, here we go. Uh, we should have been doing this a couple of weeks ago during Iron Bowl week, getting this trash talk out of the way. No, but, I mean, it's it's a fair statement. Uh, I mean, Auburn's got relevant players that go to the NFL. they got relevant players on the recruiting front, but it's not any. it's just not as easy. you gotta, you got to go searching for stuff. All the big-name top players – They've all got Alabama. Nine out of ten are going to have Alabama in their top five and their top three, and and so they're they're in the conversation for all these guys and and NFL draft prospects. It's not talking about two and then okay, now we're done. You know what else do we talk about for the rest of this episode? It's like you got to go look at like nine, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten players, Alabama players, as far as you know where they're projected to go, where's their best fits, you know what what do you see on tape? I mean, you could turn that into two or three episodes if you wanted to. Uh, and in recruiting classes, I mean, it's like I said whether it be before high school, college, or NFL, so much to talk about with Alabama players. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. That's not what we're going to be talking about today, but just letting people know plenty of, of topics of conversation. Today we got the mailbag, though. Jimmy, are you ready for it? Let's do the mail. Let's open the mail. Let's open the mail. We got six questions here. Two of them are related, so it's really five topics. Uh, we're going to try to get through this as quickly as possible, not take up too much of your time. So we'll go ahead and dive right in. The Hypes Man Award on Twitter asked, of the teams Bama has played, already played this year, which gives us the most similar look to Cincinnati? 
I love that question uh, because I, it's, it's funny. I've, I've thought of it myself to me after I gave it a lot of thought. I, and I've, I've seen Cincinnati play two or three times, not 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 12 times, but I've seen Cincinnati two or three times, even tried to watch some while they played uh, uh, during the Alabama Georgia game Saturday. I had it on on a different TV in a different room. But um, I, I have a pretty good answer, I, I think, or it satisfies to me. And, and that is Arkansas. Uh, to me, they're similar to Arkansas in a few ways. Um, overall philosophy in terms of they're a blue collar physical team. I mean, that's the first similarity. Arkansas is very physical on defense and offense. And, and Cincinnati starts there. They are not a finesse team. Uh, they will run a lot of spread principles, but they do it in a physical manner. I, I would describe Arkansas in the same way. So when I'm describing Cincinnati, I would use the same words to describe Arkansas. I also think Desmond Ritter is a similar quarterback to K.J. Jefferson. Not identical. KJ's a better runner. KJ's a bigger kid uh, and not quite as talented a passer, but they're both big kids. They're both dual threats. They're both guys you have to contain the run and hope they don't burn you with, with the pass. I think Desmond's a slightly better thrower. KJ's a slightly better runner, but they are similar. I think schematically, they're pretty similar. Uh, Jerome Ford, he might, might be a little smaller than Arkansas's backs, but is similar to the Arkansas backs. So to me, it was an easy answer that I think Alabama can use some of the Arkansas prep uh, to get ready for Cincinnati. But overall, to me, they're very similar teams. And I would even go so far as to say similarly talented. Uh, I, I think Cincinnati might be slightly more talented than Arkansas, but, but not by much. Um, you know, Arkansas does have a handful of dudes. They were on that all-SEC team, two DBs that are really good. Traylon Burks, as we know, is a superstar. Uh, you know, K.J. Jefferson, a quarterback. They have quality running backs. So, to me, Cincinnati, uh, just very similar to Arkansas. So that's my answer. Yeah, I really like that answer. And that's 100% what I would go with, too. I mean, they run the three-three-five defense. Like you said, Desmond Ritter is not the exact same caliber quarterback as, as K.J. Jefferson or not the same style. I wouldn't say the same caliber um, in some ways, I think Desmond Ritter is a little bit better, but they both are, are dual threat players. Both can, you know, I don't think Ritter is quite as physical as a KJ Jefferson in his running style, but he has, you know, better arm talent than people realize. He's not, you know, a, you know, I think there's a difference between a running quarterback and a, a dual threat quarterback. A dual threat means that you are a threat both with your arm and your legs. You know, Jalen Hurts, his freshman year at Alabama, he was not a dual threat quarterback, even though that's what everybody referred to him as. He was a running quarterback, and you know KJ Jefferson is a true dual threat. Uh, Desmond Ritter is a true dual threat. They bring balance offensively. They play with that physical style that you're talking about, and so you know. And and I think you're also onto something with, you know, the the talent comparison. I do think that you know with where Cincinnati's at in the college football playoff would be you know undefeated record right now. If they were playing Arkansas schedule, I would think that they would be in a similar range not saying that they would be quite as much you know what is Arkansas's record eight and four I believe so I mean you know it, it's one of those things where you, you know it, it's tough to say uh that they were exactly the same but I do think that Cincinnati would probably be in that nine and three range uh, maybe ten and two but you know also could be eight and four so anywhere between eight to ten win team which is exactly where Arkansas is at on the on the low end of that so I think that that certainly plays um that makes the most sense to me and I will say that I think that, you know, Arkansas has got pretty good uh, cornerback play. 
at least at one of their spots. But Cincinnati, I think, is more on both sides. They have really good cornerback play on the perimeter. Uh, they got good pass rush or a good pass rusher, um, at least one. They got linebackers who can get to the football. They got multiple guys. I think three or four different players are up there near 100 tackles, which is crazy. So they've got talent defensively at all three levels. They've got a physical style of offense. They, you know, like to run the football, but they also, and they can do that with their running back and their quarterback, but they can also throw the football. Um, so I love that answer. You know, there, there was a part of me for a short period. I was going to say Tennessee, but I think you're on to something more with Arkansas. Uh, I, it's funny that you said Tennessee. I, that, that, that was the two I was deciding between, actually. And I think Tennessee and Arkansas, somewhat similar. I went with Arkansas in the end because uh, of just the physicality. Uh, I, I think Arkansas is just a, a slightly and it's a reflection of the coaches, Sam Pittman versus Josh Heupel. Um, but I, I think Arkansas is a, a slightly more physical team. And, and that's the first word I use to describe Cincinnati on both sides of the ball. This is a physical football team. They are, they are not a finesse team. They're not a spread team. They're not going to, they're not a misdirection team. Uh, they, they show up, uh, they show up every Saturday for a boxing match. They do. Great question. I love that. We got got this thing started out. Right. Uh, next questions, multiple, because and I've gotten this a lot. So if you've asked this to me on Twitter and, and some of these, I don't even necessarily think that it was mailbag related. I've just gotten it a lot and I thought I would bounce it to you and let you answer it. And then I'll talk about it a little bit, but Garrett Alley on Twitter asked, did you find out anything on Malachi Moore and Kat Rooney asked, where is Malachi Moore? Well, this is my understanding. As we know, uh, colleges aren't uh, required to release in injury information. So Nick Saban uh, uh, feels it's an advantage. Uh, that he has in that regard, and he doesn't want the other team to know. So, it, so it's kind of hard to get injury info out of Alabama. But, but what? what look, I, I think you know Malachi missed the entire spring. People forget he was out the entire spring. He didn't practice at all, uh, and, and I think it's a back injury, and that's why it lingers, and that's why Malachi hasn't really been a full time player the entirety of the fall. He's, uh, he's only been a part-time player and a part-time starter. Uh, because of that, he sort of split a lot of time with Brian Branch all season long. Uh, but now uh, he's he's barely playing at all. He did play some on special teams this past Saturday. But, but to my knowledge, it's a back injury. And then that is in conjunction with the fact that Brian Branch replaces Malachi in the secondary at the star position. And Brian has played well. Uh, and, and, and now it's a situation where – Maybe Malachi could play more snaps, but Brian's playing so well at the star spot. Maybe they don't really want to make a change there. Uh, and I thought Branch played, you know, pretty good against Georgia this past weekend, which is a difficult matchup because he spent quite a bit of time trying to cover Brock Bowers. Um, but uh, I, I think that's the best way I can answer Malachi. Malachi, he's banged up. That's number one. I think it's a back, uh, and uh, it, it kept him out the entire spring too. I think. As we head into the offseason, uh, Clint, when this season ends and before spring practice starts, I think Malachi's health is going to be a, a major topic of discussion going into the spring. Are we finally going to see Malachi at 100% uh, when spring practice starts in March? Sometimes players regress for a variety of reasons. I think Malachi Moore's play is injury-related. Not saying that he's injured to the point where he can't play. I just think that whatever he's been dealing with has not only slowed down his progress, but is is hindering his ability to play at 100%. And we've seen that so much with various guys this year. John Mechie earlier in the year, he was not the receiver we were all expecting him to be. He finally gets healthy, becomes that guy. Now he's hurt again, which is unfortunate. But 
you know, that's what the, the kind of performance that it can make you have. DeMarco Hellams, he's been a guy who has been criticized heavily by a lot of people. You know, last year it was Daniel Wright in the starting spot. He was showing similar struggles. Everybody was wondering why DeMarco Hellams wasn't in the lineup. DeMarco ends up taking over that spot in the spring, carries it over through the summer and into the fall, but he's got an injury, it, and, and he was still playing and could have played through it, but it was clearly affecting his ability to play at the level that he's capable of playing at. So people assume, oh, he's just not you know, as good of a player. He's regressed, or he wasn't what we thought he was going to be. Now he's starting to get healthy, and he's starting to play much, much better. He's becoming that safety that we all expected him to be. Same situation with Malachi Moore. Had a phenomenal freshman season, has dealt with some injuries since that he suffered late in the year. It's carried over, it's lingered, and I think that's affecting his ability to play. Guys, just give him time and allow him to get healthy, and then let's find out where he's at. I think that you would you will be pleasantly surprised with where he's at once he gets healthy. Uh, next question, JT, which is at second and twenty six on Twitter, asked, "Would you rather have Chris Allen back for the playoffs or JoJo Earl?" JoJo Earl. Um... And, uh, and it has nothing to do. I'm, I'm not answering the question as in what do I think about Chris Allen as a player at outside linebacker? What do I think about JoJo Earl wide receiver? It's like, who do, who does Alabama need more right now? I think with the loss of Mechie, uh, JoJo Earl doesn't exactly play the exact same position. They're both receivers, yes, but, but Mechie is an outside guy, whereas Earl has been almost exclusively in the slot. Well, Mechie was lining up in the slot quite a bit lately, and, uh, and Alabama was really making some plays there. I think with the loss of Mechie, it makes this answer easier. Uh, we need JoJo Earl back. We need JoJo to be even more productive than he was uh, prior to the injury. Um, and in a close game, we'll, we'll see if they want to use JoJo as a part returner. I think they've been nervous about him catching the ball all season, and they sort of trust Slay Bolden back there. But I think it's JoJo Earl. Chris Allen is a really good player. Uh, he's obviously going to play in the NFL. Uh, and he's good, but Dallas Turner has been so great at that position. I know he's a true freshman, just, you know, he had a big sack this weekend against Georgia. Dallas Turner has been so good. Uh, I, I just don't think we would need Chris Allen as much as we need Jojo Earl. Who's a better football player today? I would tell you it's Chris Allen, the senior over Jojo Earl, the freshman, but Alabama needs Earl more. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Yeah, it's interesting. When I first read this question, I thought it was going to be an easy answer, um, but it's not. And I really think with Dallas Turner coming on, he's really helped Alabama's pass rush. And it just makes you wonder when Christopher Allen comes back, if he does come back, which that's not a guarantee. There were some fake rumors going around that he was going to be back. That's false. Uh, In fact, I, I wouldn't even say that I think, you know, if I had to put it on his chances of being back, I'd still probably say that he's not going to be, you know, a little bit more. Uh, But I don't think it's, like, significant enough to say, you know, I would, I would, it's pretty close to 50-50, but I would more so lean towards him not coming back if he made me choose than him being able to return. And granted, I think Dallas Turner's playing great. I think you still got Drew Sanders who can provide some, some rotational snaps when you need him to. 
Dallas Turner's playing when they're going nickel rabbits. They are going, you know, with uh, with three defensive linemen in a lot of situations with just Will Anderson. So it's not like that you don't already have a rotation there as far as who's playing that end opposite of your best pass rusher, your best defensive player in general. And I think with Alabama's receivers, this is how I kind of view things. I think JoJo Earl is a very important piece to bring back. Why? Because he excels in a similar way to what John Mechie, and I don't mean necessarily like they have the same skill set. I'm saying that where they win, you know, John Mechie is the complementary piece on the short to intermediate stuff that Jamison Williams is, you know, pushing you vertically. Jojo Earl, he, he, he has some long speed, not saying that he doesn't, but where he's going to get used is especially on the short stuff and then working him a little bit deeper on the intermediate stuff, which is where I think you need the most help. You need to make sure that you're threatening defenses at all three levels in your passing game if you want your passing game to have the best chance to be successful. So that's where I think you can really help. I think on the perimeter, you're gonna it's going to be three guys. It's going to be Treshawn Holden. It's going to be Corey Brooks. And it's going to be Jamison Williams, obviously. Um, in the slot, it's going to be Slade Bolden. It, it's going to be JoJo Earl. And then you're also going to see some Jamison Williams lining up in the slot because they love pushing him vertically from the slot because that's a very big mismatch for them. So I think that you're going to see five receivers in the rotation. I think it's going to be you'll get three guys in the slot, three guys outside because Jamison Williams is going to be doing a lot of both. And I think they end up having a lot of success offensively as a result. Uh, next question on the list. Steve M. on Twitter asked, how confident are you in that 13-and-a-half-point line in the Cotton Bowl? Well, this Alabama team has been incredibly hard to predict. Um, it's almost as simple as saying, well, the Alabama team that uh, played Georgia and the Alabama team that played Mississippi State and Starkville, uh, they could end up beating Cincinnati more like 21 to 28 points, in my opinion. Um, Alabama, at its very best, playing hard at its very best, mistake-free football is going to cover that line. That would be my opinion. However, uh, let, let's just talk about Arkansas. Uh, we said, who is Cincinnati similar to? Arkansas, in just about every single way. Alabama won that game by seven points. Now, they did play in the game and accumulate almost 700 yards of offense and had the game played out differently, maybe Alabama wins that game uh, running away, but the defense didn't necessarily play well against Arkansas, particularly in the second half. So which Alabama team are we getting? Uh, it's exactly due to that, which is why I'm not exactly one of these uh, big money Vegas gamblers exactly for this reason. Uh, you just can't be certain which Alabama is showing up and, that makes it sound like I'm saying it's an effort thing. That's not it at all. I think Alabama gets great effort every single week. I think this team has been very mistake-prone. They make a lot of errors during the game, or they can. And when they make a lot of errors, the game stays relatively close. When they play mistake-free, like they did this past Saturday against Georgia, they do things like give up and beat the best team in the country or the number one team by 17 points. So. I would be nervous about wagering on this game. Let's also keep in mind Cincinnati played Georgia last year in the bowl game and kept that to within three points. Cincinnati beat a high-profile uh, uh, playoff-worthy team in Notre Dame. So I'm not assuming Alabama crushes Cincinnati, but my early thinking, and I'm going to do a lot more studying on this, but my early thinking is Alabama does cover the line and wins this game roughly by, by around 17 points, the same, the, same, uh, uh, the same they had against Georgia. I think I have 41, 24, 
sounds sounds about right to me. It's tough. It's tough for me, Jimmy, um, because you think when Alabama has played their best, it's when they ha- have had something to prove, not just when they were a dog. Obviously, you know, you go into the SEC championship, you're the underdog for the first time in forever. Alabama, you know, they, they're super focused. They take that personally and they perform extremely well. But if you look, uh, when have they had the most to prove? They play Ole Miss, and they looked phenomenal against Ole Miss. That was a game that last year went to the absolute wire, and everybody was wondering, is Lane Kiffin going to be able to get over the hump? You know, Alabama was a favorite, and they were a pretty heavy favorite, if I recall. You know, not saying that they were, you know, double digits, but I want to say it was in the high single digits, like eight or nine points. But, you know, a lot of people were wondering. You know, last year it goes down to the wire. Can Lane Kiffin in year two with the way that they were they're humming along, can they get over the hump and beat Alabama? Alabama had something to prove in that game, especially defensively, and they proved it. You know, you look at at Mississippi State. That was following the Texas A&M game. They lose. Everybody's questioning, you know, where is this team at? You know, can they get refocused? You know, they, they looked terrible. They have their arguably up to that point their best performance of the season following that game. Now you look at some of these other games. We all think they're going to just railroad LSU because, you know, what had happened in 2019, Ed, Ed Orgeron and his comments, what, what happens? Alabama struggles offensively. They barely win that football game. You look at Arkansas. Everybody's like, you know, you got Arkansas, you got Auburn, then you got, you know, Georgia in the SEC championship. Arkansas was a top 25 team. Alabama was getting them at home. Despite the fact that everybody said, okay, it's a top 25 team. Alabama was still heavy favorites. They come out flat. They lose it by seven. Now, granted, that game could have turned out differently. You know, you look at, you know, the, the fumble, you know, inside the five-yard line, and you look at some other stuff. It could have been a little bit more lopsided, that final score, but in the end, it was close. You look at Auburn. On paper, there was no reason for Auburn to be able to keep it close against Alabama. Not only keep it close, but they, in, in a lot of ways, dominated Alabama for a majority of that football game, at least their defense against Alabama's high-profile offense. Alabama has to come from behind with a minute and 35 left, score a touchdown, game-tying touchdown, send it to overtime. It goes to four overtimes before Alabama's able to get it done. So against these teams where Alabama, you know, I wonder how Cincinnati is viewed. I've already said it this week, and I'll continue to reiterate it. I feel like this is very 2014 Alabama versus Ohio State-esque. You know, I don't feel like a lot of people are giving Cincinnati a chance. Alabama's got an easy path to the national championship. They're going to railroad Cincinnati, and then it's a matter of are they getting a rematch against Georgia, or are they playing Michigan? And so I think they need to be weary of that. Because any time that they've approached these games where they should win, they don't take it as seriously as they should, they haven't performed well. And it's the college football playoff. A national championship is on the line. Uh, I get that. So you would think that they would be motivated. But I do question it a little bit based off of what this particular team has shown us. I'm not, you know, if Alabama was playing Michigan or Georgia again, I'd be more confident they would cover whatever line that was. But with it being Cincinnati, with nobody giving Cincinnati a chance because they're a group of five team, it makes me wonder uh, where this, where the focus is going to be at, and they need to make sure they get that corrected. All right, last question on the list. John Stryker on Twitter asked, I know it's still a ways out, but what are your early keys for victory for Alabama against Cincinnati? The key to beating Cincinnati to me is their rush defense. It's not ranked in the top 50 in the country despite playing a much lighter schedule than Alabama has played. That number really stuck out to me when I was looking at Cincinnati's numbers. I expected their rush defense to to rank much higher than it did. Uh, It sure would be a nice break for Alabama to to have a game where we didn't have Bryce still at 50 times, where we didn't have to to, to lament the loss of Mechie, at least for that week. 
and just get back to being physical themselves and run the ball. I, I would like to see Alabama out physical, the physical Cincinnati Bearcats, and by doing it offensively on the ground behind a big game from a now healthy Brian Robinson. That's the key to me. Let's outrush Cincinnati. Let's be more physical than they are, win the game with a rushing offense and being a, the superior run defense on the field. Uh, make Ritter beat you, take away the Cincinnati run game. In the meanwhile, shorten the game, have Brian Robinson have one of his best games of the year and dominate the game on the ground, having uh, between two and 300 yards rushing. Uh, that's what I would like to see. And based on the numbers, I, I think that type of game is, is there for Alabama to take. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jimmy. Um, and that's kind of where my mind is going to go to as well. Um, when you look statistically, number four in scoring defense, number you know two in passing defense, number seven in total defense, number three or tied for number three in opponent red zone conversion rate. They're tied for number 18 in sacks. They're, so they're a top 20 squad in that area. They're just outside of the top 20 at number 21 in opponent third down conversion rate. But that run defense, that rushing defense is ranked just inside the top 50. They're allowing 137.46 yards per game. I think that if, if I'm Alabama, taking these next few weeks, getting Brian Robinson Jr. healthy, and then establishing a run game against Cincinnati, putting that on paper. You know, I, you know, Brian Robinson was not super healthy against Georgia. That was a huge concern for all of us. You know, how is Alabama going to handle being one-dimensional? I think they ran the football better than anybody expected them to. Funny what happens when you run to the left a lot more. But getting him healthy and putting it on tape for, you know, whether it be Michigan, whether it be Georgia, that Alabama can still be a, a run-heavy or a you know, very effective run rushing offense I think would be very beneficial for them because not only in this particular game can you set the tone and the momentum by running the football you can play Bryce off of that he can still have a big performance and and really from there you can start to do kind of what it is that you want to do um, and then also shutting down Cincinnati's run game uh, I think that's very important granted their rushing offense is ranked just inside the top 50 as well at number 48 their passing offense is ranked exactly number 50 so they're, they're down there in both areas, but they're a very balanced offense, and I think that takes away from both rankings. Uh, when you look at their total offense, it's kind of, you know, it's number 45. So it doesn't look great on paper, but I think that their entire offense is dictated based off of establishing a run game with Jerome Ford and with Desmond Ritter's legs and then playing the pass off of that. So if you can make them uncomfortable, get them in, uh, you know, long down and distances on second and third down, I think that takes them out of their comfort zone, and I think that presents you with opportunities to maybe take advantage. You know, Desmond Ritter has been a very good quarterback this year. He hadn't made a lot of mistakes, but I also think he hadn't been tested. So let's let's find out where he's at by testing him and and seeing you know how good of a passer he can be in uncomfortable situations and not having the run game to rely on. I mean, if you if they're in a second and one situation or a second and three, that's a very favorable down and distance to be in for a quarterback because you can run the football more than likely you're going to run it but you can play off of that that's where you can take your deep shots and things like that so I think that Alabama needs to make sure that they're stopping the run game first and foremost and that includes Ritter and Jerome Ford and then seeing what Ritter can do with his arm he is a very capable passer in the pocket on the move he can win from you know either way but let's see where he stands in that area if you can stop the run game so Jimmy do you have anything else that you want to add 
No, I, I just think, again, uh, with Alabama, uh, to me, I, I see it regardless of opponent. The key for them is is the reduction or elimination of mental errors and mistakes. Uh, it's just, to me, been a mistake-prone team uh, for all the lamenting about that uh, we're just not as good as we were. Th- that is true, but what's contributed to a lot of these games being closer than maybe they should have have just simply been errors, uh, pre-snap errors, penalties, heavily penalized team. Uh, turnovers. You know, Bryce Bryce fumbled the ball uh, this weekend. One of the biggest plays in the game was Bryce recovered spot for Alabama. So uh, fumbles, penalties, uh, bus in the secondary, just too much of that stuff. If you do, if you do Cincinnati, all those favors, uh, we might be embarrassed in that playoff game. So to me, it's about eliminating or reducing the errors. If so, Alabama wins the game and, and, and gets another shot, probably at Georgia. Perfect. That's good stuff, man. I appreciate uh, you uh, taking the time to answer some of these questions with me. That was fun. feel like uh, there were a lot of great questions this week. And if you got any more, continue to shoot them over. We'll continue to answer these, you know, at least probably a couple episodes. Now that we're getting more into the, the offseason, you don't have game previews as much and things like that. We'll have plenty to talk about. Don't get me wrong, but we can. Kind of, yeah. Have, yeah. You, there's a lot going on next week, but. Uh, we'll be able to sprinkle in, you know, at pretty much the end of every episode, we can sprinkle in one or two mailbag questions. So, you know, if you have one, shoot it over. If you if you had one and you sent it and I missed it, resend it. There, I get a lot of notifications on Twitter. You can DM it to me. You can, uh, however you want to do it, at Clint R. Lamb. You can hit up Jimmy at QB underscore country. You know, just send any questions you've got. We love answering them and we appreciate it. So, Jimmy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. This has been fun. And we'll have to do it again soon. This has been the Bam on 3 Show, and I'm your host, Clint Lamb. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.